Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as always and I would like to thank you for joining us as we start our 10th year, yes our 11th season but our 10th year here on the Heart and Hand weekly flagship show. 2010, August 2010 the podcast launched and uh, I didn't think we'd still be here. I didn't think we'd last more than a few weeks, but we are. And I'm delighted to welcome on to the show today to discuss the first game of the season, Big Sexy himself, Amoruso True Blue Bus Convener and all round good egg, Andy McGowan. Hi David, incredible I think you started this when you were twenty year old. Just a part. <sighs> I wish. God, I wish. Um I had hair when I started it, so that maybe said something <laughs> about people who think I've got a stress free life. But uh no, it, it it's been fun. And uh what was fun as well, mate, was kicking off the season with three points. Now, we'll come to the game in a minute, but I just wanted to speak to you as as an every game guy, um, somebody who not only goes to every game, but organises tickets for other people, runs a bus, does all the work. What was it like for for you to, to know we were going to Pataudry? You know, always a good trip, always one that, that we look forward to, um, and, and to not be there. I, I'd made my piece with us a while ago because I'd known it was coming. Um, but the fact is that when the game starts and you're watching it on TV, and I'm sure I'm not alone, I'm, I am a hundred times more nervous and edgy watching it on TV than I am at the game. And whether that's because you can't kind of let your emotions run riot in a football stadium vocally, <laughs> uh, you're a wee bit more restrained in a, in a living room with your wife and child. So I, I really found it really, really edgy. I don't like watching games on TV. But listen, this is where we're at. This is that makes me special that I can go to the game. So unfortunately, we've got this for the, the foreseeable future. Um, but it's a strange, it's a strange thing. I'm saving a few bob. I must say that, but uh, <laughs> I'd really be, I'd really be spending it. Yeah, I, I'm worse watching a game on TV, and it's one of these bizarre things. Uh, I'd be interested to hear from the listeners, but certainly 
most people I know are the same. And, and I wonder if it's just when I'm at a game, I feel I'm part of it. And I know it's daft, but, you know, even things like shouting to get a sub on, you, you kind of feel even that, that little bit of that you've got an influence, you know, that you're somehow involved in it. And you're right, when, you, when you're watching on TV, you're not, you don't quite have that buy-in. So it becomes really all about the result then. And if you're anything like me, you spent a large part of Saturday afternoon with a heart racing and just wanting uh-huh. to get it done and get it over the line and get the three points. But hopefully we can get... I, I don't know how long it's going to be. Um, there's, you know, there's optimistic reports, there's conflicting reports, there's guys saying we won't be in for a whole year, there's guys saying we'll be back by October. It, it, it's tough to really work out at the moment. But all I can say is I just hope it's as soon as possible because it's not the same. When have you ever seen a Rangers, especially a season opening Rangers Aberdeen game played at that tempo? It just, you know, it doesn't happen normally. No, and I think the, the players feel a difference as well. I think the referee felt a difference as well because uh, he was better than usual. So um, it's a different dynamic and I'll be interested to see that once the, the tap was switched on, so to speak, and the crowds come back, how, if that changes anything, if you see teams take a dip in form, if you see teams get a lift, um, it's, it's truly the acid test of the so-called 12th man, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's certainly games where every club helped, but especially our role, the, the, the team went to victory, and there's other games where we're maybe nervous or a bit down after a bad result or whatever. So all of that's taken away, though, and it's this kind of weird almost frigid zone that the game is, is just being played. And, and at times it, it can resemble a training match. Any cl- close those games, if you watch some of them from other leagues, it's exactly the same. Um, but but it was noticeable on Saturday. And as I say, I felt for guys like you, and I know a lot of our listeners that by hook or by crook get to every game. And I, it is different watching on TV. And it is uh, not, I think, as much fun, obviously, as, as being at the game and everything that goes along with it. You know, the social thing, the patter on the terraces, all of that kind of stuff. So hopefully we'll be able to get back as, as soon as possible. But to the game itself. Now, as people may know, if they're long-term listeners to this, what we do is, on Heartland, is on our Patreon site, we do an immediate post-match reaction. And then we go away, calm down a little bit. The next game, uh, the next day, sorry, we watch the game back because you see different things, obviously, when you're not as emotionally invested in the match, when you know the outcome of it. And people had said to me on Saturday night, oh, Davey, I think when you know, you'll be a wee bit uh, happier with the performance when you watch it back. I was certainly calmer about it. Um, I still think there are things to be addressed, but... You know, at the time where you're just waiting on the sucker punch, and that's scar tissue. We've discussed that before. It's because it's happened so often over the last decade that, that we're so used to just waiting for that late sucker punch, set piece goal, or whatever, or one of their players sticking one in from 25 yards um, that you're kind of waiting on it. But watching the game back, Rangers were totally in control of it, apart from one Stromash Aberdeen had, never in any serious danger of losing a goal. At 1-0, there is always the risk of the stuff I've said, you know, a, a mistimed tackle in the box or, you know, a wonder strike or whatever. So you always want to get the second and kill it. But probably watching it back, my, my only real complaint was that we didn't kill it, um, especially after scoring where I thought Aberdeen for about 10, 15 minutes uh, kind of struggled to react to that, Andy. But overall, without being a great performance or anywhere close to it, it, it was pretty solid. Yep, absolutely. I think before going in, before the game, and uh, based on the, the friendlies we've had in France and the Motherwell game as well, 
I thought we looked well ready for it. I thought we looked sharp fit and uh, functional in terms of the, the, the way we were playing, especially the front three, four. And I, I knew myself in my heart of hearts that if we went up there and did what we were showing, especially in a sterile environment where there's no crowd to, to kind of make that difference for Aberdeen, uh, I, I knew we would win and I knew we'd be pretty comfortable. But you're absolutely right that when you're watching it and when you've got the experience of the two games that we had uh, last year and the first game of the season the year before, I think it was, when we lost last-minute equalisers, especially the 2-2 game last year. I mean, the last that, that game, the first half, Aberdeen hardly touched the ball, literally. And we went in 2 nothing up and then we, we were hanging on for a grim death by the end of that game. You're thinking about that. But if you were watching that game and you weren't a Rangers supporter and you were a neutral, you would be sitting there saying, Rangers are super comfortable here and it's going to take something exceptionally disastrous for us not to go away with three points. And as you say, set piece is probably the thing that's always at the back of your mind, particularly Aberdeen, because it's mostly what they've got against us. So I, I thought it was super comfortable. I thought it was really, the first half especially, utter control. The second half, Aberdeen came out a wee bit and we weren't just as comfortable and you're, you're again spot on that the the only thing you can come away from there is that really we should have been coming away with our two or three nothing victory because that would have been a fairer reflection of the the kind of superiority. I mean you look at the possession, 60 versus 40 the shots and 14 versus 4 or something like that Yeah, yeah. Uh, none was... on target so we really should have been scudding them in a more uh, kind of superior fashion the one thing I will say is it's probably tempered the expectations a wee bit because if it came away 3 none 4 nothing, then we would have been uh, exuberant would have been the word so oh. maybe, it's, maybe it's just dampened things in a nice way yeah definitely I think that had Aribo's chance at the end um, going in and it was actually a brilliant bit of defending rather than anything he'd done wrong but had it had it gone in then I think that that would have absolutely sealed it and I think that that would have been a more accurate reflection on the match but it wasn't to be so before the match the manager uh, the, the, the team selection talk the probably two main things to talk about it Andy where uh, Leon Balligan came in for his debut and Alfredo Morelos played despite the continuing transfer speculation linking him with a move away uh, to, to Lille and uh, first things first I thought Leon, but at first I felt a wee bit sorry for George Edmondson, if I'm being totally honest. But you know, you pick your strongest team, etc. And something I I didn't realise, uh, hold my hand up to it. It was pointed to me before the game. People said he's probably our, our most match fit player because he's been playing right up to last you know last couple of weeks um, in England. So he's he's probably the the sharpest at the squad. Yeah. That, that's a fair point. Um, I thought he strolled it. Yep, he did. I, I was. I was. If you jump back two weeks, then I'd have put my house on Edmondson and Goldson being the pairing for the centre half. Obviously, Bargain had he signed at that point in time, but even still, I was fully expecting Edmondson to be in the starting eleven, just given the fact that he'd played most of the well, played all the friendlies, hadn't he? Um, so to see Bargain in there was was there an issue because I've never seen the guy play. Right? I'm not going to sit here and say oh, I've seen him or watch Wigan every week. But what I did do is I went down and went to see what the, the Wigan fans' reaction were to him when he left, and it's always a pretty good gauge of, of what kind of player is. And there was, without question, without exception, not one bad thing to say about him. In fact, they were quite gushing in the fact that coming to Rangers was a fantastic move for him, and they might they might see him push on and, and get some recognition. So um, he absolutely strolled it now. 
he strolled in the context that they had one striker and we were obviously dominant possession. But when he was tested, I think he should have a nice bit of turn of pace at some points. He read the game well. His use of the ball was good. He came out a defence well with the ball a couple of times. He looked steady in the air, which is, is obviously a prerequisite for him to play in Scotland at certain half. And, and he's left-sided, which I think is something given that we've signed Hellander for that purpose as well, is something that Gerard likes with uh, in terms of balance for his, his uh, back back two. So, aye, a very, very promising uh, start for Balogun. Um, probably and a very nice uh, problem for Gerard in that you're now going to have Balogun and Hellander fighting for that position, because I think Goldson's always his first choice. Mm-hmm. And Hellander's probably a wee bit behind everybody else in terms of real match, match sharpness. So um, it, it, it bodes well for the for the early part of the season, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I was really pleased. Um, the magic Boo Allegan uh, at times when he went on that that run with the ball in the first half brought back memory, uh, memories of the big man. But uh, he does look as though he's, he's very you know comfortable at firing the ball up to the strikers accurately, which was great to see. You know, very quickly getting the ball away. Likes to bring the ball out, and when you're playing against packed defences, you know we talk a lot about lines, but it's true. Somebody that can break them, especially that early, that just yep. forces one or two of them out of position. And when that happens, that's when your better players can can get into space. And of course, uh, he took one for the team in the second half at that scramble that we spoke about. When having watched it back, I, I think it was a wee bit naughty from McKenna. Um, I I think he could have. Certainly done more to avoid Balogun clashing with the post. McKenna's a bull in a China shop. He's, he's not a bad player, actually, but um, I think physicality is something that he kind of switch off. I don't think that was intent, but it was. there was definitely contact. I think Lewis Ferguson is the one that, if you, I've watched it back a few times, there's so much going on. Lewis Ferguson is up to something in that, that passage because... He's over, he's over McGregor, and obviously you hear McGregor shouting, somebody's kicked his effing head, but I I think there was a wee bit of shithousery going on at that point in time, and the referee should actually have heard the clatter, because everybody else did, of a player's head banging against the post, and the fact he was lying prone in the net, uh, means that the, the whistle should have went straight away, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, um, I think that it's, it's not been very... Uh, it, it, it's not been very much highlighted, to be honest, because, you know, I'm sure if you said to them, they would say it was just the normal cut and thrust of the game. But even so, he got up, and, and at first I was a wee bit worried, but he, he came you know, back on fairly quickly and, and looked fine. And I, I know these days they do do head testing and whatnot to make sure that the guys are all right head testing. They, they do check uh, concussion protocols to make sure that they're all right. And, uh, yeah, he did very well, I think, in his debut. Now, a lot of speculation about Morelos. Would he be playing? Would he be focused? If so, um, I, just, I don't think Alfredo Morelos is anywhere near his best form at the moment uh, yet. But uh, I thought he looked up for it, hungry, contributed, uh, well, a lovely assist for the goal. Again, you know, it's not Alfredo in full form yet, but I certainly didn't think it was a disinterested performance. No, um, I think he's not overweight. Now, to say he's overweight would be ridiculous, but he's definitely not as lean as he was at the start of last season when I, I made comment that he was Premiership lean. And by that, I meant that you see players go down for Scotland to the English Premiership, sometimes the Championship. And within six months, they're cut and they just look different and they look big, bigger built and they're more powerful. Last year, last year, Morelos kind of looked like that. This year, he's back to kind of 
his, his normal self, if you like. And he's just just off the pace in terms of being able to beat his man, getting uh, his shot away, that kind of stuff that he did so well for the first half of last season. And was his kind of stock and trade. It was noticeable during the friendlies. It was noticeable on Saturday against the Sheep. And also, he's been kind of sacrificed. I mean, McCoy during the commentary made a lot of comment about him but Morella's been too deep and he'd like to see strikers being in, the, in between the 18-year lines and all this kind of stuff. But Morella's sacrifice actually was what was key to the victory because obviously we got the goal from that because it was dragging their defence, their centre-halves all over the place. But it was also creating the space for Kent and, and Hadji, which is going to be it's going to be more than key for us this year uh, because we're going to have to get goals off whoever takes the, the kind of peripheral side of the central striker. And it also meant that he wasn't in direct combat with McKenna because we've seen how that pans out most times. It's just a an incendiary partnership that we are at risk more than they are because the chances are Morelis is always a person that comes off worst in terms of refereeing. And it was noticeable that the the Aberdeen players were consistently badgering Madden whenever Morelis was involved in the slightest wee thing with Lewis Ferguson and Bryson being the, the, the main culprit. So I thought he played well. Listen, when it, even when he's not playing well, Borelis still involves himself well, and he's still your best all-round striker in terms of link play, uh, kind of switches a play, uh, holding players off. So even when he's not top, top form like we want him to be, he's still a, a, a fairly efficient and functional centre-forward, which... which uh, Gerard has a, a central role for him. So I thought he played all right. I think he, he needs to get his sharpness back. Uh, whether that happens when this thing's going to run his head, Davey, I'm not so sure because he is a young guy. He, he seemed certainly focused during the game, but is he mentally gone? I don't think we're quite there yet, but the longer this goes on, the longer it's lingering. We've got to watch if, he, if it has an impact on his actual performances. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, we, we've all seen transfer speculation affecting a player coming in and going out of Rangers over the years, so we need to to, to watch for that, but I thought he would play, you know, I, I was convinced he would play, I just think that while he's here, he's so important to us, and, and it was worth it, because he popped up, you know, with the assist for the goal. Ryan Kent getting on the end of it, something we need more of, I don't think that that's any great secret, Andy, the, the other players on the side not called Alfredo have got to come up with more goals. Yeah, but I think anybody's listened to any pod I've done recently, I've, I've harked on about the fact that the, the so-called collapse after Christmas, it wasn't so much a collapse, it was a fact that nobody picked up the mantle in terms of responsibility and scoring goals. And and there could be reasons, tactical reasons, and the way we set up and all that kind of stuff, and why why Morelis was such a focal point, and, and uh, it would be harder for other players to, to chip in. But... I was delighted to see Kent's performance this Saturday. I thought, he was, I thought he was my man of the match, and I thought he was uh, consistently driving at them. He was uh, picking up pockets of space that they couldn't handle. He was dangerous on the ball. Um, he was looking to shoot, and then the goal was brilliant. The goal was absolutely fantastic, because how many times have we said, oh, you can't find space in behind when you've got a team playing 10 men behind the, behind the ball? Well, there you go, you can, because it's no easy to do. But you can do it if you get your your uh, your pieces, chess pieces in the right places. And it was it was Morelis as we're talking about went deep, and it just dragged McKenna that two yards out from where he should be, and it caused a wee bit of confusion between him and Taylor. And Kent was clever enough 
and he's mobile enough that he can find that space because it must be a nightmare for their fullbacks especially because what did they do? Did they follow Hadji in? Did they follow Kenton? Because they're moving and they're moving and they're moving. And it means that you can cause a wee bit of confusion in their back four. And ultimately that's what won the game. But I was also delighted to hear Kent after the game talk about quite openly the responsibility on him that he has to deliver, I think was the phrase he used, because let's not be about the bush, he has. He's, we've paid a lot, of, a hell of a lot of money in power standards for him. He has the ability to do it. He's well bedded into the Rangers team in the Scottish game now. He's been here for, for two seasons nearly, um, and there's a huge, huge expectation on him because he should be getting 10 to 15 goals a season quite easily. And I'm not talking about goals that at the, at the end of a three four nothing window, I'm talking about key goals. Yes. Where you point the winners. Point winners, exact match winners. And he is your match winner. Hadji can do similar. I don't think he's quite there yet. I've got I know you fancy him, David, but I've got <laughs> I've got oh, he, a, a he, wee bit of doubt over him. He, but he, I, he didn't I, have a great game. Talent. He didn't have a great game, Andy. I mean there was no. I said that his touch was a bit off and somebody said to me brilliantly, No, David, his touch was sensational, you know, the way he was taking the ball but the air, it was his touches after that that <laughs> were wrong, and that that was true. He was doing some amazing stuff, but um, not enough of it. I, uh, I agree. I think you know again we need, but I, I do think it will come from. I really do. I think that um, he just didn't have a, a good day, um, and I hope uh, I hope I'm right. I hope you're wrong, but uh, you know you you did say you thought Andy King would be a key player for us, uh, so. <laughs> Uh, I'm just throwing that in because Andy you're more popular than me with the listeners so I just wanted to to bring that up but but they do you're absolutely right I mean I don't think it's an unrealistic ask to say to the two of them 30 goals between you minimum Mm -hmm. Um, they're key because especially if the Morelos or A and other striker is going to play that role where they're, they're, as I say, sacrificing is the phase of a Jews where they're dropping short they're not going to be penalty box strikers the guys that are around about them, whether that's Hadji, Stewart, Murphy, any of these guys at all, have to chip in with goals. They need to be treating themselves as strikers as opposed to wide players. Um, and, I, and I just want to clarify about Hadji. Hadji will come good, right? He's too good a player. I think he's actually trying too hard just now because his decision-making is snappy and uh, a bit off. But he's, what I did like about him, and what I'll never criticise him, he likes to shoot, and we've not had that for the edge of the box. And he was getting in good positions and twice he, he had a, a save for Lewis and one that was deflected wide. I want to see more of that because at the edge of the box, um, we don't do enough of that as a team, as a squad. We've not got players that are willing to take a pop. We've got players that are willing to just kind of keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Sometimes that's detrimental. So I, I thought the front three, Morelis, Kent and Hadji, particularly in the first half when Aberdeen were just sitting in, they had no ambitions at all to get out. They were sitting in. I thought the movement kind of dragged them all over the place. And then you add Aribo into that. Aribo was driving for deep, superb close control. Um, I think if that kicks into gear, we're, we are cooking with gas. But we need to watch, and I'm being pessimistic here, what happens if one of those four players drops out? Do we have somebody that's able to come in and contribute in the same manner with the same responsibilities and the same pressure on them? And that's where I'm looking at Stuart Barker, Murphy, Jones even. Uh, they've got I, to be. I, I don't think Yeah, I think the rest of them. Yeah, I think are still in contention. But from from certainly what we read, um, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no, I agree with you. I agree. With you. What what I'll say about Jones is right. We, we're no privy to what's going on in the ground, and and, and if his attitude's thinking, then that's 
that's the deciding factor. But see, see if and Gerard's got a wee bit of habit of this. It makes his mind up somebody or he doesn't like somebody. But sometimes the manager has to get themselves over that and actually use use the player at their disposal. As I mean, I still I still maintain that there's no way Jones can contribute, even if it's half the bench for the last ten minutes uh, in games like that. But again, I'll caveat by saying if we're not if we're not seeing what Gerard and his backroom team are seeing at the same time, then uh, we're completely wrong. But football wise. You've got to ask, how did Stevie Clark get so much out of him? Stevie Gerrard can there's, there's got to be more to it. I'm not just looking at the player there. I'm looking at Stephen Gerrard saying, look, uh, can we get more out of this player? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that leads us on, actually, very nicely to a, a question that, that has been posed before. And I think it's a legitimate question. It's it's my biggest criticism of the manager, and that is his use of substitutions. Um, I think that it's been said before, he's very conservative, small C, in his, his decision-making. I worry that sometimes he, he worries a wee bit too much about I might disrupt the game with a substitute rather than... I'll put a substitute on and, you know, change it for the better, for positive for us. Maybe it's because I always used to like, you know, the way that somebody back in the day, you know, Jose Mourinho, for example, was really bold in his substitutions to try and, and, and take the game. And I understand there's a risk involved in that. Now, obviously, that it became more of a discussion point with the fact that we now can can put on five Rangers used one on Saturday. Um What's your thought on the general point, Andy? And I must admit, I'm watching the game back. I was probably a bit camera about the lack of substitutes, but then I knew the outcome. I think I think that's the Benitez in him. I think that's the, the kind of influence he's taking for Benitez that if it's no broke, don't if it's no broke, don't fix it, can I say? And I think also the bench, because I looked at the bench and with the best ball in the world, you're looking there and saying Right, we, if we're a goal doing with 20 minutes to go, who are you bringing off the bench there that you know can do your turn? Because uh, we're being kind to Barker because he's had a couple of very small cameos in the friendlies that have looked promising. You're looking at Greg Stewart, who has put a turn in noon again, but he's also had some stinkers as well. Um, you're looking at Jamie Murphy, who to me would probably be the best option off the bench if you're chasing a game and then the rest are basically defenders and a, and a goalie. Arfield was the right substitution at the right time because Hadji was flagging he was, he was looking tired he was getting overpowered most of the time so bringing on Arfield at that point in time is the right thing but I do agree with you that going forward if other teams are using four or five substitutions that has to have or it has to create a disparity in energy levels between the two teams that are playing if you're only using one and uh, obviously it changes they, they, Aberdeen completely changed the way they played in the second half, they came out they looked far more robust, they were getting stuck in about us and it would have been I think, I don't know if the words are interesting but if Cosgrove had been playing it would have been uh, a real test for us, a bigger test than it actually was so I think there's two things there David there's the actual quality on the bench and whether he trusts it enough and there's, there's his natural reticence to uh, upset the balance of a team which is very, very finely tuned in terms of defensive uh, structure and uh, knowing what to do, particularly in the midfield. So um, there is a question to be asked about Gerard's substitution uh, tendencies. Yeah, just be a wee bit bolder. But again, it might that might be a reflection on he doesn't trust his bench uh, as much. And to be fair, when I was looking at the bench at the weekend, Andy, 
nine substitutes and only one was really a recognised midfielder and Scott Arfield. I mean, there's an immediate place that we've got to. I know Stephen Davis is injured at the moment, but we, we've we got to have a wee bit more in there. I'm a little surprised and I'm, I'm again, don't see him every day, but, you know, Jamie Barjonas, let's talk of him going back out and loan. I don't know. I think that certainly when there's no other options, I, I think there's something there with him. He's a... Uh... Uh, certainly, when I seen him going to Barrow, I'm like, well, who who gains out of that? Because I don't think Bardonis gets much out of going to Barrow, and certainly it kind of spells the end of his time with us because he's not going to develop any further playing for Barrow. But when, whenever I've seen Jimmy Bardonis for the time he, he kind of broke through, he had the physique, he had the thick legs, he had the body of a man and a, a, for a youngster. And he also seems technically comp- more than competent, and he, and he can pass a ball, he can, he's got a wee bit of dig. He can score goals, as we've seen. So I'm a wee bit surprised, as you are, David, that he's no figuring a wee bit higher in terms of the squad. Because, as, you, as you've said, we've got Kamara Jack, Davis, Aribo, Arfield. Uh, and with the exception of Aribo, there's no much... Uh, I'm, I'm doing them a lot of disservice here, but I'm talking about create. You wouldn't think them always create creative players first and foremost. They're more certain players now. So um, I, I thought Berjonis would have a a place to play, but probably a bigger indication of the fact that we need to strengthen there. And if obviously there's rumours about the boy from South Africa, Zunga, Zungu, mm-hmm. um, if he comes in, then that's going to increase the, the, the options. It's going to pretend, for what I've read, he's going to be a different type of player to what we've got. Um, so it's, I don't think it's any surprise that, the, that Gerard and the, the, the backroom team are, are looking at that area. For me, it's a key position, absolutely. I, I, I... You know, both good players, but I think Ryan Jack and Glenn Kamara, and for me it would be Jack, would be starting ahead in those two every time. But uh, Jack and Kamara, I, I think, brilliant for Europe or, you know, huge you know, away at, at, at Parkhead or whatever. Um, but in domestic games, when you need a wee bit more front foot play, then <laughs> I think that, you know... I. Hopefully in time, if we have somebody like Balogun, the, the two of them can see they don't need to be dropping back all the time to take the ball. Aye. So, so the, the thing with Jack and Kamara is very interesting because I know that it's a hot topic amongst us uh, privately and, and, and there's a, a kind of consensus that two, in inverted commas, defensive midfielders is overkill. I think that takes us back to what we're talking about, Gerard, and this kind of Benitez mentality where it's it's not quite safety first, but there is a kind of default where you kind you, you of uh, have a more cautious approach. But the thing I would say to that is there's, there's no way that Jack and Kamara are not capable of more going forward, right? I, I think you're right when you say that you really only need one of them as a defensive midfielder picking up for the centre-halves, but one of them should be able to step out more than they do and take take the ball to the edge of the box because what we tend to see them do, particularly on Saturday, too much was square, too much was back the way first where they could have taken a touch and turned and I'd just like to see them being a wee bit less safe in their possession because that is where we probably get more dividends, because you then test that kind of bank of four and four that we've been facing time and time again, because you mentioned it our own. Once you start breaking the lines by striding past a player, that's when kind of chaos ensues for the opposition team. And Jack and Kamara, as a pairing, are very, very guilty of not doing that enough. And if they're instructed to do that because the two fullbacks are so far up the park, then that's fine. I can kind of get that. But we're only getting anything after fullbacks on Saturday because it's the quietest I've seen Javanier and Barisic in terms of boss across the box and into the box for, for a long, long time. 
And it's kind of pointless against Aberdeen anyway, really, isn't it? They've got their two big monsters uh, at the back who yeah. will, will head stuff away all day. Um, so you do need to go through the centre. And I did like the Rangers were doing that. I, I don't want to be negative about that. Rangers made chances by doing it. We just wanted to see a wee bit more of it. But I will always take a 1-0 at Pataudry. I always will, especially given, you know, we, we don't tend to lose up there a lot, Andy, but we've dropped... Stupid points, I think, you know, or points that should have been ours, really, up there in the past. So, yeah, it's a win. And just getting off to the season, get ticking off, if you like, one of the difficult away trips already and back down the road. We've got two home games coming up against St Mirren and St Johnston. No disrespect. Uh, we expect six points from those two matches and have given ourselves the opportunity to settle into this rather strange season. Aye. No, listen, the win was everything because, well, we'll not admit it, it was huge pressure on Rangers. Could you imagine if we had dropped points, not even get beat if dropped points on Saturday, the kind of wave of despondency that would have came over the support, which uh, certainly in one way or another would have translated into the club as well. So to get off to this kind of win, uh, the traditionally a, a really hard ground to get to get anything from. Uh, is the be-all and end-all. Apart from anything else, it meant all the Bears can enjoy their weekends, I can enjoy my fortnight holiday. It means that we've, we can go into the next games with a bit of confidence, because as you say, we've, we've, on paper, we've got, apart from Leverkusen, obviously, we've got a, quite a, a decent wee run of matches here. And, uh, no, I, I, it was paramount that we won. Um, the, 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 the performance and the score was absolutely secondary, so absolutely, I, I would attain this I'd have bitten your arm off for it because before the game, as we're saying, you're feeling nervous, you're feeling edgy because you know that if you get beat, it's not a disaster, right? You can't say that. I would have felt like one. <laughs> you, you, you would have been having all the niggling doubts. It would have been just a pure downer from the start. Um, and while I'm, I'm the great advocate, I know having knee-jerk reactions and having perspective and all this kind of stuff, I'd have been sunk if we'd dropped points on, on Saturday. I'll be quite honest with you, I'd have been really, really down. Uh, so the, the final whistle was a huge relief and it's only after that as you see David when you when you watch it back you can actually sit and say well fucking hell we were really comfortable I don't know what I was worried about but such is a life of a football fan 100% it'll never change if we had a game like that at the weekend I can guarantee you that I won't be sitting there going we saw this last week I'm going to stay calm <laughs> it'll be exactly the same thing um, moving on then Andy we have a match this Thursday when we go to Leverkusen to finally complete the Europa League tie with Bayer Leverkusen. Now, Bayer haven't played since their season ended uh, over a month ago. Uh, they, they lost the German Cup final to Bayern Munich. So they, like ourselves, have some certain squad issues with players that they can and, and can't pick. Kai Havertz is said to be going to Chelsea. I think that's an open secret that he'll be heading to Chelsea, but although he wants to go before the tie, it looks as though Bayer are, are going to keep him until it's done. We don't patronise our, our listeners on here. We're 3-1 down heading to Germany. If we were to pull this off, it goes into you know the, the best results in our European history. It's, a, it's an extremely tall order. Bayer are a, a really good team, regardless of the the wee hiatus they've had. <sighs> what, what I would take for this is a morale boost in whatever. <laughs> if we draw or if we win, that'd be fantastic. Um, if, we, if we were to go through here, then it enters, as you say, the Pantheon, doesn't it? 
Mm. is a, a big fucking problem figuring through, to be honest with you, because what we've then got is a, a glut of a high intensity matches, probably in the last season we went this kind of stuff, and I don't know how it would affect our, the qualification game and all the rest of it. So, yeah, but um, we'll be in the Champions League next year when we win it. So That's true, that's true, David. So, Swings and roundabouts. Uh, 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 we're Rangers, we're wanting to win, we're wanting to get through. Um, very, very hard to hear. Uh, I'd take a draw. I'd bite your hand off for a, a morale boosting draw. If we win, absolutely fantastic. But I, team- I think we're capable of winning. Uh, that might sound outrageously, but just given the circumstances, uh, I, I think we could go there and win if it was a one-off tie, you know? Um, I'd be sitting here saying, yeah, yeah, it's the fact that 3-1's a big... Even 2-1 would have been... Um, you know, yep. more doable, but um, the the aim for me is just say them win the game first, and then what happens happens. But yep. don't you know? Don't go out there thinking we need to score three in the first twenty minutes or whatever. It's it's ninety minutes, maybe longer. Go for it, but it will be an extraordinarily difficult occasion. Let's let's not kid ourselves on that one. Yep. Moving on then, Andy. Uh, when we come back on Sunday, we'll play St Mirren at Ibrox. And uh, before we discuss the RTV lineup for that, I'm delighted to announce that Heart and Hand will actually be the match sponsors on Sunday. Uh, we will be uh, the the people who get to decide the man of the match. So if you complain about the what, uh, this time you can blame us for that. And I just want to thank everyone on our Patreon site because they've made this possible. Um, no, we, we didn't get it for free. They are making us pay. Uh, I did ask uh, and I get laughed at but it's in all seriousness along with our sponsorship of Stephen Davis this is us having the opportunity to put money back into the club and that is you know at the end of the day the most important part of fan media is fan we're all supporters of the club we want the club to be successful that's all we want and the fact that we can do this Andy is just so much down to our our supporters on Patreon. They're the guys that have really allowed us to go over to do that and alongside things like our live shows at Ibrox, which obviously put money into club coffers, various other sponsorships we've done, donations to the Rangers Charity Foundation, we're coming up to six figures in terms of money that we've put into Rangers over the last three seasons. And and it's hard to talk about this, David, because you then run the risk of being a self-publicist and all this kind of stuff. I can speak about I, I've it been accused of that before, so don't worry. Water off a dog's back. Aye. I, I can speak about it because I'm I'm just a contributor. Right? I don't have main show and I don't mind main show and it looks like far too much hard work. And when I look at some of the guys in heart and hand and what they do and what they prepare and how much commitment they put into it, it's, it's really something to be commended. The fact that you're here and you said it's, it's a 10-year thing, it, it, this isn't something you just say, obviously I'm going to be a massive Rangers podcast. It's a case of I'm going to do this because I want to do it and then people either like you or they don't like you. And people like you and Scott and everybody at start and I remember listening to it and think this is fresh, it's new. It, it, it endured, it probably coincided with the most dark time that any Rangers fan is ever going to have and it was a kind of beacon of, of light or humour or whatever you want to call it. And here we are. So what, what you're saying there, Davey, is that the, the fans are getting some new to it. We, we feel good about it because we enjoy what we're doing here. Um, and it's a kind of virtuous circle where the club gets something back for it. And, and there's been a lot of noise the last couple of weeks in terms of there's been lots of podcasts and, and, and absolutely the best of luck to them. 
and I hope they prosper and I hope they, they, they do what heart and hand is there because the more Rangers voice we've got, uh, the better. The world is changing. Media is changing, as we well know. Heart and hand is benefiting from that. And it doesn't need to be a case where fans listen to people who do not have any interest or any care or any notion of Rangers for their news now. They can listen to us and they can listen to other podcasts and they can listen to other, read other blogs and they can get their news that way and they can form their own opinions. Well, what they will get is they will get, uh, certainly for hand in hand, they'll get kind of a genuine viewpoint because I don't think there's been any point in time that I've been with heart in hand that I've said, if we're a wee bit sugary there or we're, we're, we're kind of no saying what we want to say. Sometimes we've actually said or you've said stuff that is far too harsh and I think that the position heart in hand got now is a, a really good and privileged position that you are conscious as the kind of the David Murray of the Hartman podcast. <laughs> For fuck, Andy. <laughs> you know what we've got, and you kind of uh, you're very, very. I think you're, you're you're balanced in what you do, David, and I think that's a reflection in terms of people willing to actually pay for the hard-earned cash to do it. And yeah, this this is this is a kind of I'm I'm really proud to see that our name will be associated with the first kind of. Uh, Covid game that we've got because of a lot of eyes on it. Yeah, it, it, it's a cool thing to be able to do. But as Andy said, you know, people seem to think I'm some Machiavellian guy that sat down ten years ago and mapped all this out. Whereas if anybody that knows me, I'm the most disorganised guy in the world. And uh, you know, Andy found that he was doing the pod today at twenty to six. Uh, we recorded <laughs> at six. So uh, no. Uh, yeah, I, I have to laugh at some of that, but it's just a pleasure to get to do it. And uh, the RTV team that's been announced, Andy, you know, you and I both get, get accused of being maybe overly positive. I, I'll hold my hands up here and say I'm going to be positive. I worried a little bit um, about what we would get in terms of, I, I thought it might be uninspired. I, that You know, I don't think it would be bad. I thought it might just be every one of us could have predicted it as soon as we heard. Because that, to be honest, has been the way it Rangers the last 20 years, really. But they've gone out. They have announced, uh, I think, some brilliant names. Uh, for those of you who maybe don't know, uh, Clive Tilsley will be joining to, to share the commentary duties with Tom Miller. So Tom's still involved in it, which is great. Uh, Graham Sunnis and Walter Smith will be among the panel of experts alongside Neil McCann, Alex Ray, uh, Shelley Kerr, and players from the first-team squad. First up will be Nico Katic, uh, presented by Emma Dodds. That's that's a TV company quality lineup, in my opinion. I'm, I'm very, very heartened, and I'm, I'm more than pleasantly surprised at this, because like you... In fact, we had chats about this and we're saying, right, who do you think will be the commentator if it's no Tom and all this kind of stuff? And our expectations are rock bottom. I'll no name names so they know who's rock bottom, but it was <laughs> really high. And what I like about this is that she's Rangers fans. We we know we don't get any kind of credit or we don't get looked upon with a fresh eye up here. And it's really only, and that's why Clive Tilsley and Jim Beglin's commentary way back in 2008, such that is, is so revered, is because, and even if you go back, right, let's right, go right back, David, to 1992 when Ron Atkinson and, and Brian Moore were commentating their Champions League run. We all loved English commentary as opposed to Jeremy Nee because these guys were coming up with a fresh eye and they could see what, what other people see. It, it was like an outsider looking in. And with Clive Tilsley, he'll know what he's coming up to. 
and maybe we'll get a wee sense of that, and, and maybe that'll make us feel warm and fuzzy. And if that's the case, then fantastic, because we, we, nobody else is going to do it for us. So I'm delighted to see it. it's a wee bit out of the box thinking from Rangers. It's probably cost a few bob as well to pull all these people together, because I know for a fact that they don't do it for free. <laughs> uh, and they're professionals at the top end of their game. I mean, you look at Sunis, McCann, these are guys that are Sky's kind of first choice go to Premiership people. So, um, I, I, I like this because I think there are legs in this concept of pay-per-view and I think this is just the beginning. I worry that the SPFL and the kind of backwater is that Scottish football will kill it before it's born but there is something here that going forward we could be watching away games in our house every away game and a season ticket paid for it and all this kind of stuff so uh, I, I hope it shows up and I, and I, I hope that's the case for other clubs as well and I don't mean that jokingly I hope other clubs get a success as well because if every club gets a success out of their, their streaming then that's what will happen it will become something that becomes the norm for us and it may take the, the edge off us trying to get away tickets as well For me it was the the fact that it wasn't just the oh that'll do you know like right we'll, we'll get in Chip Young to present it and oh. you know you know what I mean? Just just the usual kind of tired names that we would expect to be involved. And they didn't do that. They went for fresh. They went for, as I say, broadcast quality. And it's, your know, Rangers should always go for the best. We might not always achieve it, but we should always go for it. And I like the fact that that's what they did in this case and, and very much looking forward to enjoying it. Um, pay-per-view for non-season ticket holders, they fixed up at nine ninety nine a game. To put that in context, Livingston's is £20. So, you know, that's fairly reasonable, I think. But obviously, then the, the pressure is, Andy, you've got to deliver. You know, people, season ticket holders are putting their money essentially for this, let's be honest, as well as back in the club. But the, the, the product they got out of it was this, really. Um, so I think that it's it's important that RTV is delivered to a high standard this season. I don't think that it's an unfair expectation to say this has to be good, guys. Just like the club in general since the dark days, um, Rangers TV has got better and better and better. And if you jump back, I don't know how many years, maybe three seasons, two seasons even, can't remember. We didn't even even have HD cameras. And now what you've got is you've got a fantastic state of art app on your phone, You've got fantastic content. Uh, you've got a level of professionalism which has just went up another notch here. You're going to have all the eyes of the Rangers family on this game on the 9th of August, the St Mirren game. We'll be watching it via this channel. And uh, it, it, it's something which um, has just burgeoned and got better and better and better. And, and I think it could be, a, if it's done correctly and if the authorities can uh, come a long way as it could be a, a wee mini gold mine for clubs like Rangers. So, um, no, the, I'm glad to see they've, they've, they've went out and, and uh, spent a wee bit of money on terms of lineup because that could be the difference between just a live stream and a picture of Ibrox and a wee bit of commentary before it. Um, it it'll make it feel like we're watching the usual kind of standard, as you say. Plus, Hart Hand will be sponsoring that. <laughs> Once, <laughs> I'm not made of money um, But yeah, we'll, we'll be sponsoring the first one So keep your eyes out for it, folks Right, thank you so much to Andy for joining me My pleasure, David
Thank you to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. I will be back on the flagship next Monday, but if you want to hear more from all of us, including Andy, um, he, he does himself down there. He does pop up regularly on our Patreon site. Just go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. And from just one ninety nine per month, you can find yourself listening to all the Rangers content you could possibly ever want. Thank you to everyone for listening. I'll be back next week. Till then, t- stay safe. Take care. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.